Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Tamsin Hall. She is a performance psychology coach. Welcome, Tamsin. How are you doing today? I'm very well, Brad. How are you? I am doing wonderful. Thank you so much for making and taking the time to be here with me today. I'm really excited to have you here and looking forward to jumping in and learning more about who you are, your journey, your story, and all of the things. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be My, here. The pleasure is all mine. So as mentioned, you are a performance psychology coach. You're in the process of getting your coach coaching certification by ICF. You're currently working in the corporate world. You are a featured writer for a magazine. That is quite the resume. How do you find the time for all of this, Tamsin? And how important is prioritization and organization to you? And how do you stay on top of things? I mean, working as a coach and working a full-time job in the corporate world, how do you do it? So I get asked this all the time, Brad. And and as you know, I've also just completed a four-year degree. And, you know, prioritizing and getting things done is something that I am good at. I'm not great at everything. I'm very good at that and I do that by just having things in my diary that are going to that are aligned with who I am what I do also that set my soul alike things that I really enjoy and that I'm lucky I love my job I love my corporate job I'm lucky that in my corporate job I get to do training development coaching So it's aligned as well with my business. But I'm very fortunate. What I do is my hobby. So my son and my husband, for example, their hobby is golf. So they go out every Saturday and Sunday morning for six hours and they play golf. And that's their hobby. That's what they love to do. To me, developing, training, coaching, that's my hobby. As you just mentioned, you recently graduated with honors from your social psychology program. Congratulations. Thank you very much. What inspired you to go into the world of social psychology? So interestingly, when I very first signed up to do my degree, I actually signed up to do a forensic psychology course. Okay. And the modules, there's there's certain modules that we have to do, whether it's social psychology, pure psychology, forensic psychology, educational psychology. There's core modules that are the psychology elements. And they're the same. Okay. So I started started with that. And actually, I, I very quickly realized that I want to be a performance psychologist, organizational psychologist. I want to go into businesses and I want to help them to grow and perform better using their biggest asset, which is their people. And 
to do that, the forensic psychology route wasn't the right route for me. Actually going down a social psychology route where social psychology looks at societal influences and how we can collectively create a movement that is right and aligned and we can create a place for happy people to be and that's all that I'm aligned with and that's all I want to bring into organisations so actually the social psychology and also understanding how things can go wrong with groups of people and how actually governments, educations, parents, society we can all have a very negative impact on people. We can have a positive impact, but we can have a negative impact. And that was what I wanted to research and find out more about is how we can make it a positive impact. I love it. So why did you decide then to enter into the world of coaching versus becoming a traditional psychologist? And did this journey begin with some of your own personal struggles? I did it. No, I, I, I don't think it maybe it did, actually. I've never asked myself that question, <laughs> which is why I'm hesitating. We're uncovering some stuff here. This is good. <laughs> Great coaching question. So I've actually been coaching in one form of another for the last 20 years so I've had a okay yeah I've been very fortunate I've had a great corporate career and leadership development and training I did go on you know I come from a finance background and I did go on coaching courses and I've trained coaching courses to one form of another and coaching has been a big part of what I do innately and I didn't start my psychology degree to become a coach it that wasn't it it was more about being an organizational psychologist and a consultant in businesses but actually what I found as I navigated through my studies was that I'm a a positive psychologist so when you think of a, a psychologist you know psychologists look at the past and look at what's maybe gone wrong what maybe needs unpicking what needs putting back together what's happened in your past and that isn't really an area that interests me as far as I'm concerned the past has been and gone what we need to focus on is the right now and our future and that's a positive psychology field and so coaching is very much about looking forward thinking not looking at the at the past so as I was doing my psychology and as I do my training and my development coaching comes in and if you'd have asked me six months ago maybe 10 months ago did you know anything about coaching yeah I know about coaching I've been coaching for years it's part of positive psychology I know about it but actually I wanted that qualification. I'm I'm big on qualifications, probably too much, too heavy on qualifications. But, you know, (laughs) I read a book. The book has to be written by somebody who is qualified. That's the first place I go to. So because that's very important to me, if I'm helping people, I want to have those qualifications. I've got the experience, but I also want the qualifications. So I started my coach training to get the qualifications. But actually, I've got so much more because I have grown as a coach. I've developed as a coach. I've got so much more to offer now than I did before I started my qualification as a coach. So as I mentioned off the top, you are getting certified Mm -hmm. through ICF. Mm -hmm. In what way do you think that certification will add to your skill set as a performance psychology coach? 
it gives me the knowledge to get the foundations right. It enables me to serve my clients in the correct way. The way that we ask questions, the, the way that we identify body language, we notice what's going on for the client, we're holding the client's space. One thing I've really learned is that I need to shut up. <laughs> And from a you know my training and development background is all about mentorship and sharing my experience and passing that on, and helping people to grow through my knowledge. But coaching is about holding space. Yeah, for sure. Listening is the most important. I Absolutely. would say. Absolutely, without a doubt. Can you share with us exactly what your focus is then with your clients as a performance psychology coach? So my focus is actually to allow them to find what their focus is because it's not about me it's about them and I can help them to become I don't want to say better because I think everybody's absolutely fabulous just the way they are I want to support people to believe in their abilities and the reason that I've taken psychology and performance and put it together is because I truly believe that as a, as individuals we are either our own worst enemy or we're the best thing we can do for ourselves. We can talk ourselves out of something in an instant. We can make or break a deal, a contract, a conversation by what's going on in our heads and how we perceive things. And we all want to perform better, whether it's in our jobs, whether it's in our businesses, whether it's in education, whatever it is, we all want to perform to the best of our ability. And we are all capable of anything we want, but we hold ourselves back. And we hold ourselves back because of our own self-talk, our past experiences, our past biases, our part of what people have told us in the past, how we compare ourselves with others, whether we're motivated, whether we believe in ourselves. There's so many reasons why we hold ourselves back. And my coaching is about drawing a line in the sand and moving forward without any of those restrictions, just pure self-belief. Yeah, we are our own worst enemies, 100%. I mean, it's enough that we deal with external noise from outside sources and people, but it's that internal noise that is the the worst culprit and that is the hardest piece to overcome or the hardest hurdle to jump. But I honestly believe that if we can get past that hurdle, the ex outside external noise is a walk in the park. Without a doubt. And sometimes people don't realize how they're talking to themselves and what that yeah. internal self-talk is saying. And I give them that space just to, you know, almost let it all out, just whatever they're thinking. And then I can unpick that and I can identify kind of what's going on and ask those questions and, and really drill down to what is stopping them from moving forward. So what is it that sets you and the work you do apart from other coaches? Why would they choose to work with you over someone else? We are all unique, every single one of us. And my story is up until the age of 15, 16, I was told I wasn't good enough by my teachers and at school. And I wouldn't amount to anything. I wasn't good enough. I never tried hard enough. All of that stuff. And I was diagnosed at 15 or 16 with dyslexia. And I grew up in the 80s. Dyslexia wasn't really a thing then. It was more, do you know what, if you're not working hard, 
you're not going to get the results. I was working as hard as I was working so hard. And to hear when I'd worked so hard to do things, to hear that I wasn't good enough, I wasn't going to get the grades, I wasn't going to achieve anything. That was really hard, really. Yeah. And I was held back. I was very fortunate. I then started uh, started in, in the finance industry and I had a fabulous career. And I started as a, you know, I started at a low level and I worked my way up very, very quickly because I was doing something that I loved and I was doing something that really aligned with me. However, I was still holding myself back. I'm a very loud person. I love to have fun. I want everybody to be happy. I want to figure out what's going on if somebody isn't happy. And I just want every single person in this world to believe in themselves, be kind to each other and to live a life that they absolutely love and that makes them shine, whatever that looks like. And throughout my corporate career, I was told you can't laugh, you can't be too loud, you can't do this, you can't do that. Lots of restrictions. So I was restricted at school because I was told I wasn't good enough. And I was restricted throughout my corporate career because I was told I had to conform and be a perfect corporate representation of whatever corporate should look like. And what I really quickly learned through my managerial experience and through developing myself as a a leader and as a trainer and, and now as a coach is that actually if we empower people to be the best version of themselves and to live a life they love with autonomy and with the space to grow they will be amazing and for organizations we need to empower our people rather than hold them back we have a duty as for organizations they have a duty to look after their staff if organizations looked after their staff the way that organizations should look after their staff they will have happy employees who come to work with joy and excitement, who work hard, who are highly engaged, who perform fabulously, and the business will benefit because their profits will increase. And so I believe it, I've seen it, I've got knowledge in it, and I just want to bring the fun into everything that we all do. That's what makes me different. I I also believe that everybody has the answers in themselves. I don't believe I'm the expert. I can give people all the training, all the development, I can share all of my knowledge, but there's always going to be somebody out there who's the expert. So even in my trainings, I say, this is what I know, but there's anybody in the room, if you have something you can bring to the table, bring it to the table. Let's talk about it. Let's share it. And I think I'm very unique in that. And that's what makes me different. What a beautiful world that it would be if everybody believed in themselves to that degree and trusted in themselves and went after what they want and lived their their purpose lived their life the way they want to live it wouldn't it just be fabulous oh it'd be incredible yeah yeah pure bliss i know and i'm really on this mission to achieve that in businesses and with business owners because their staff have chosen to work at some point for their organization and I feel like if we can create these bubbles of that bliss the more bubbles that we can create where everyone is and yes I'm a positive psychologist and and 
you know, I'm very positive. Don't get me wrong. I don't think the world is all sunshine and roses. I know life is pretty crappy sometimes. And especially at the moment, you know, it's not a great place, is it? But I want to help people to navigate that storm and to look forward and find a way that keeps them happy and makes them happy, even in their darkest of days. That's yeah, so important. Love it. What, in your opinion, is the most important quality or skill set in a performance psychology coach? So I'm going to answer this as Tamsin, the performance psychology coach, because okay. I think every coach, every psychology coach, every coach is different. But for me, it's how I empower my clients and how I hold space for them and how I identify what's really going on for them and help them to move forward. What type of person or client is your ideal client? Like what kind of things do you look for in a potential client before deciding to work with them? My ideal client is somebody that knows they're stuck or knows something isn't working and they want to do something differently, but they don't know how. We have some people in the world that, you know, just say, this is my life and nothing's going to work. They're they're very negative. They don't think anything's going to work. They don't think working with the coach is going to help them. They don't think training development is going to help them. They don't see any way forward. They just got this life and they're stuck with it and, you know, they can't do anything, anything else. They're not my ideal client. I want people that say, I'm in this place, but I think there's something better out there for me. Everything takes work. Yeah. Work sure. with a coach, it isn't easy. You're going to need to work hard on yourself, on other aspects. There's things you have to do. So, people that want to make a difference is my ideal client. And I call myself a performance psychology coach, but actually, when I'm coaching people, I'm, I'm coaching the whole person. So, yeah. I've worked with CEOs who who come in and they say, you know, my business isn't performing. I feel like I'm really stuck. I feel just feel like no one listens to me and, and just I can't move forward. But after sessions with me, we've identified that actually what's going on in the business isn't what's holding them back. It's what's going on in their relationship that's holding them back or what's happened in the past that's holding them back. So it's really I'm not worried who I work with. I love working with CEOs. I love working with leaders. I love working with business owners. But I can coach anybody as long as they want it. I've been in a coaching session where the organisation has paid for coaching sessions and the people don't want to be there. They come in, they don't believe in coaching, they don't want to make a change, they don't want to, they, they just, they just want to stay where they are. They're not interested. But that's no good for anybody. That's no good for anybody. No, absolutely not. It's it's pointless because if they're sitting there not wanting to be there, there's no point in them being there at all. Just they're being forced to, so right. they just show up because they have to. You're not going to get anything accomplished that way. No, and I don't want anybody to be forced to work. I don't right. think anybody should be forced to do anything. Obviously, there's, there's things that we have to do. We have to abide by things. Yeah, of course. You know, I don't believe that anybody should be forced to do anything they don't want to do. And, and that goes back to kind of putting people in boxes. I want to break down those boxes and say, yeah. what do you actually want to do? Yeah. Do you want to be sitting here in front of me? If the answer is absolutely not, let's not do it. If it's, I don't know because I don't know how much value you can add, well, let's have that conversation. Yeah, exactly. 
Everyone has a choice. What light? Yeah, for sure. What lights you up or inspires you the most about the work that you do? Making a difference. I am not in this for anything other than seeing somebody's life change for the better because of what I've done. That's it. Now, on the flip side of that, what would you say is one of the most challenging parts about the work that you do? Having to market myself and doing social media <laughs> because I hate <laughs> it. <laughs> I just hate it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Unnecessary evil of business, unfortunately. Oh, if I could just do my coaching, my training, just empowering people, and I just want to do that. That's just what I want to do. All the other stuff, <laughs> you know, I'm just. <laughs> but anyway, it's <laughs> unnecessary evil that I have to do. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You say that you have unleashed your inner rebel and are being uniquely you. Can you share a little bit about that and what that means to you personally? I think that goes back to my school life and being told throughout my corporate career to, you know, be quiet and turn the volume down and and not be so chatty and stop laughing and stop doing this. You know, I just, I do things differently. I'm the person that decided to do a degree at 40. I decided to yeah, I, I can remember when I started my role, I, I managed a, a 50 people centre, um, a call centre, like my communication centre. And I decided I was going to not conform to how we were told we had to lead people. We had to manage. Back then it was manage. We had to manage people in a very strict, a very structured way. I broke that down and I did things differently. And the performance and the the well-being and the happiness just skyrocketed and from that moment I knew I had to do things differently and I had to do things my way I truly believe yes okay as I've said there's laws there's things we cannot do there's without you know that there's absolutely things that we cannot do but I believe rules are there to be broken and I will challenge anything if it doesn't align with my values and I encourage people to do the same as long as we're sticking within in the law <laughs> <laughs> I'm not advocating people going out and breaking the law but you know right. I just think we all need to be our own unique amazingness because we are so unique we are so lucky to be born. I can't remember the stats off the top of my head, but you know, there's one in a billion chance that we are here on this planet. We need to be uniquely ourselves, uniquely us. And comparing ourselves with others just makes for a really unhappy existence. Being our own unique selves helps us humans, people, teams, individuals to live a really happy life. And so I'm leading from the front and say I'm uniquely me I'm the person that has the really loud laugh I'm the person that will break down the barriers I'm the person that will just do things differently in the UK we call it I'm the black sheep I don't follow the sheep I go a different way you know how sheep you know sheep will you know tell you know the 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 dog moves the sheep the herd herd mentality yeah that's it that's for sure I'm the one going in the opposite direction And I want to take people with me because yeah. that road's blocked. That way's really busy. But this way over here, this is going to be the fun path. Free and clear path. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? 
I think it's my belief in myself and it's my ability to stay positive. I'm that really annoying person at five o'clock in the morning sitting on a plane talking to everybody. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm a very positive person and very upbeat, I suppose. I can walk into a room and I can, you know, I've always told that you can walk into a room Tamsin, and, and, and everything changes. And I don't do that on my own. I do that because I will smile at people and I'll help every single person in that room to feel that they have a place there and that they're important and that they're valued and that they are truly amazing. That's how I do it. And so the way that I have and I will continue to be successful is is that belief in myself, but also in the belief in others. Because everybody is fabulous. Everybody is fabulous. Yes, 100%. People don't believe it, but I do. I believe in, to anybody listening to this, I don't know you, but I believe in you. I 100% believe that you are capable of whatever you want to do, but it's got to align. It's got to make you happy. It's got to like set your soul on fire. It's got to be something that really excites you. If it doesn't excite you, it isn't going to work. That's right. That's right. 100%. Speaking of success, Tamsin, how do you define success? What does that word mean to you? Living a life that just makes me happy and really makes me happy and seeing others living a life that makes them happy. Some people aspire to be on the red carpet. Some people aspire to be have a a song in the top of the chart. Some people aspire to be CEO of a of a FTSE FTSE 500 company. Some people aspire to be on the front of Forbes magazine. Whatever it is you aspire to be. Some people aspire to go to work in a florist and come back and and enjoy their life. Whatever it is that absolutely lights you up, that's what success is. If you're living a truly happy and fulfilled life, that's your life. So I know that I'm living a life that I love. Have I got plans to do more? Yes, of course I have. Have I got plans to have more? Yes, of course. But right now, I'm living my best life. And that's what success is. Beautifully said. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? Mm, Great question. Thank you. Everybody has an opinion on what your life should look like. Everybody judges what they think you should be doing. And I learned this when I was in hospital having my son. And I was in hospital, I had quite a traumatic time and I was in hospital and he had to have antibiotics. So he had had to stay in for, I think we had to stay in for four days after I had him. And I was sitting there and a midwife would come in and tell me I needed to feed him this way. Then she would go off shift and another midwife would come in and tell me I'm doing it wrong, I need to do it this way. And someone else would come in, no, you're doing it wrong, you need to do it this way. After about the sixth person that told me to do something differently, I absolutely lost the plot. I was told it was because I was hormonal and because I'd had a baby and it's all normal for women to feel like this after they've had a baby. I said to my husband, you have just got to get me out of this hospital before I absolutely lose the plot. I'm fine. I'm not, it's not my hormones. I'm just fed up of people telling me how to raise my child and what to do when I know what's wrong with him. But because I'm listening to other people, I am getting it wrong. 
And I left that hospital and I thought to myself, I've been conforming to other people's opinions and judgments for years and it hasn't felt aligned. I know what's right. Deep down, I know what's right and I know what path to take. And you know, if I make a mistake, I make a mistake, but that's on me. And it that's was right. You, you hold yourself accountable. Yes, absolutely. And from that moment on, whether it was age, whether it was being a, a mum, whether it was, I don't know what, but I knew everything is inside me. And if it isn't inside me, I can learn it, but I can learn it from the correct sources. Having people who don't really, you know, they didn't know my baby. I knew my baby. People don't know my business. I know my business. People don't know the path that I've been on. I know the path that I've been on. And that's true for every single one of us, every single human being. We are all different. We're all unique. And what is right for one of us is not necessarily right for all of us. I don't know if you've heard the song by Baz Lohman, Sunscreen. No. Okay. Baz Lohman, Sunscreen. He has a line in there, and I'm not going to do this justice, but he says, be careful with whose advice you buy and whose advice you listen to. But if you pay for advice, make sure it's, it's basically the right advice. And that has stuck with me ever since I walked out of that hospital. Actually, if I want to learn something, this is probably one of the reasons why I'm really heavy on qualifications, is if I want to learn from something, I'm going to learn from somebody who's the master at it. Yeah, for Otherwise, sure. Otherwise, I know it deep in me. Tamsin, who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? I think, I have to say, I think it's my husband. My husband has truly allowed me to be myself without judgment. And until I met him, I don't think I'd experienced anything the way that I experienced it with him. And he believed in me even when I didn't. He was the reason that I did my psychology degree. I, you know, I'd, I'd been talking about it for years and he just said to me, just if that's what you want to do, just do it. And having somebody that believes in you unconditionally, expects absolutely nothing from you and lets you be the person that you want to be is, I think, one in a million, actually. So... I, I have to say my husband, I think I he, love it. when he listens to this, he'll be like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course he will. Absolutely. <laughs> what would you say is your biggest fear? My biggest fear is letting people down and not helping them to live their best life. Tamsin, what does the word empowerment mean to you? Oh, I love this question. To me, it means empowering people to live their best life. And empowering people to do something that aligns with their values. And if you empower somebody, it tells them that you're trusting them. It tells them that you believe in them and that you know they absolutely can do whatever it is. I think empowerment has so much. It just tells people so much and it really helps them to believe in themselves. And yeah, it's everything, actually, I think, empowerment. If we go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs or something called self-determination theory is, you know, it's, it's all about giving people 
autonomy and empowerment to move forward, but knowing that other people believe in them. And, yeah. you know, that's what my husband does for me. He absolutely empowers me and gives me that belief. And that's what I want to do to and help and, and share with the world is just to empower people. You can do whatever you want to do. If you're going down a path that doesn't align with you and doesn't feel good, choose a different path. I'm empowering yep. you right now to to choose a different path. If you're training to be a doctor because that's what every single person in your family before you have done, but you don't want to do it, don't do it. One hundred percent. Follow your heart, follow your gut, follow what lights you up. As we've been talking about through this whole conversation is you have to do what sets your soul on fire. Yes. You have to do what makes you happy. We spend so much time of our lives working. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you want to do something that lights you up and makes you happy? Why would you want to go into a job that you're absolutely fucking miserable at for, for 40, 40, 45 years? Like, forget it. You're wasting your life. We're so lucky now. Our ancestors, they That's had right. one shot. They, they, you know, they, they yeah. built one thing. They were a carpenter or a bricklayer or yeah. whatever it was, a banker. or you know, They chose that and then they did that from the second they left school to the second they retired. Yeah, for we're sure. so lucky now. And, and now we're seeing people having second, maybe third careers throughout their working life because we have the opportunity to do that. That's right. Tamsi, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions is just be one, two, three, forward answer type thing. Okay? okay. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? That every single person is amazing and capable of anything they want to do. Would you rather have more time or more money? More time. What is your favorite self-care practice? to walk walk with my dogs go outside get some fresh air even if it's raining just to be one with nature if you're writing your autobiography what would the title be uniquely me i love that what is one thing you want but cannot buy with money more time how would you describe yourself in one word empowering if you could be remembered for one thing what would it be making the world a better place that concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. What is something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the past year? That I am absolutely capable of anything and that, oh my gosh, I can write a 10,000 word research project, even though I have dyslexia. Beautiful. What aspect of your personality do you think has been the most helpful in your career? My belief in others. And my leadership skills. In the last two years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? I would say mindfulness and self-care. And I think the world's been through so much, hasn't it? And mindfulness yeah. is something and self-care is something that as a worldwide, we've seen more of. It's yeah. something that I certainly kind of dabbled in beforehand, but... I've seen so much overwhelm, stress, burnout, and identifying when we're starting to feel overwhelmed. I do a fabulous training session on this, and it's about kind of identifying what is it, what is it for you that you start to do when you're feeling overwhelmed? And some people say, John, I can sit at my desk and I feel my leg really shaking. That's when I know I'm starting to feel overwhelmed 
or eating too much or drinking too much or whatever it is we all have our own trigger and it's by identifying what's happening and saying I'm taking myself away from this situation and I'm giving myself a break and I'm going to do something mindful whether it is I'm not somebody that's into meditating and yoga but I do absolutely love mindful practices that are quick and easy I'm all about ease I'm all about doing things that are simple and just taking my dogs and going out for a walk and clearing my mind and looking for five things that are brown, five things that are blue, all of that stuff. Or yeah. having a mindful coffee or doing something, going meeting a friend for a coffee and having a giggle or reading a book or just something that is self-care, mindful practice, but that's unique to me, that isn't what someone else has told me to do. It's something that... I've tried and that I know I enjoy. Yeah. I would never have done it, that before. I would have always be like, well, what, what's the advice? What people suggest I do? Yeah. I, yeah. I tried yoga. I hated it. I, tried <laughs> I hated it. I got bored after a couple of minutes. I'm not one for sitting down doing nothing. But actually, yeah. mindfulness doesn't have to be sitting down quietly doing nothing no, for an hour. Absolutely. It sounds such, like such a simple concept, but it is so hard to do because I think that we've become so conditioned to always be on the go. You have to, you always have to be doing, we're, but we're not human doings, we're human beings and we need to remember that. I love that. We're not human doings, we're human beings. I love that. That should be your quote, Brad, for the bed. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Tamsin, if you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? So I would absolutely love to sit down and have a conversation with Brené Brown, only because her work, her research, everything that she does is so aligned with my beliefs. And I just, I love learning from people and I love hearing people's perspectives. And I feel like her research has been transformational and it has enabled so many people to live a better life. And that's all I aspire to do. And I think I could learn so much from her. Absolutely. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Don't listen to anybody. You have all the answers. That's an important one. And it's a very hard one to to learn and to teach ourselves and to let that sink in. And because, you know, we have problems trusting in ourselves. Absolutely. And we've been conditioned, haven't we, throughout the conversation that we have to listen to... Authority figures and this person and that person and all of these people because they know better. Yes. I can remember when it was the first time that I could vote after I was 18. So so in the UK, we can vote after we're 18. And it was the first time I could vote. And, and because of you know everything that, that my ancestors did to allow me to vote and to, to, to allow women to vote, I'm going to vote. Yeah. I'm going to vote. I'm so excited. And I, <laughs> you know, I, I did my research. Obviously, this was, this was pre-Google. So you know, I did my research and went to the library and, and, and kind of tried to look at um, newspapers and listen to radio and, you know, politics. I know politics now, but politics then, I was, all these people are telling me all these amazing things. And, oh, that person says they're going to change my life this way. And that person says they're going to do this. And I believed them. And I voted. And I was excitedly waiting for all these things to happen. 
and they never happened. <laughs> and I kept thinking, how has somebody promised all this stuff, but they're not going to deliver it? And, you know, that opened my eyes to the world of politics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. But That's a rude awakening. A really, for sure. rude, right, really rude awakening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But absolutely. interestingly, I had voted for somebody because of what they told me. I, deep down, was really tempted to vote for somebody else because that's what my gut was saying. But actually, yeah. this person. But I didn't. I went by what they were saying. And obviously, in hindsight, <laughs> someone else, or maybe nobody, but you know, that's a different conversation. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, Tamsin, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, like your world, your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? Believe in yourself because you are the most amazing person and you are fabulous you have all the answers within you you know what path to take you know what you want to do just live a life that sets your soul on fire and be kind be empowering but be uniquely you because you are amazing beautiful way to end the interview i love that very very wise beautiful words. Thank you so much, Tamsin, for taking the time to be here with me today and share a little bit about your story, your journey, the work you're doing. Keep shining that bright, beautiful light out into the world with all that you do. And I'm grateful and appreciative to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. And this conversation has been incredibly inspiring. So thank you for being uniquely you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Tamsin Hall. She is a performance psychology coach. Thank you so much, Tamsin. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.